real quick, like I want to address the listener because I realize that you guys and you men and women out there, you may be in a really dark place in your life. And first off, I want to acknowledge the fact that you're looking for resources to step up for yourself and for your family and the people that need you to be around for a long time and looking at resources like Janet's show. So I applaud you for that, but also realize and acknowledge that what you're going through may be the hardest part of your life. It may be the hardest thing that you ever do in your life, but I want you to remember that you are worth it. That's very important. That was something I had to consistently remind myself of when I went through my journey that I'm worth the reps. I'm worth worth the time in the gym. I'm worth the time planning things out, thinking strategically. I'm worth it. So keep that in mind. Your message is important. You are important. And people like Janet are here to uh, let you borrow some of her energy as you go along in your journey. Welcome to the tribe. This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober. Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober, or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. You need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone. You need a tribe because you need support. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, tribe leader, Janet Gorond. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober Podcast, episode 164. My name is Janet Gorond. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober, and I'm your host for this podcast. Here at Tribe Sober, we help people to change their relationship with alcohol and then go on and actually thrive in their alcohol-free lives. And over the last seven years, we've helped thousands of people to do just that. We created Tribe Sober because we know from experience that it's really hard to change your drinking habits alone. So at Tribe Sober, we're all about community. And each week we feature a community voice, just to give you a flavor of the awesomeness of our tribe. Yeah, and I thought coming to your work, workshop would, would help me even more, and it absolutely did. And I still I still chat to the people that I connected with that day on, on Messenger and WhatsApp, and all the support and the groups and the WhatsApp groups, and your whole concept is absolutely amazing. And that's what we need. We need, I mean, it's all very well joining Facebook groups and joining online groups, but to, to actually sit in a circle with these these women who are like-minded is, um, is probably one of the best things I did at that time. Everybody's got their own stories and, yeah. So if you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just go to tribesober.com and hit join our tribe. And if you'd like to join our five-day free sobriety boot camp, which runs from June the 5th to June the 9th, just go to our website, tribesober.com, or request to join the Facebook group, which is called Sobriety Boot Camp. This week is the third anniversary of the Tribe Sober podcast, so a big thank you to all of our listeners. We began with just a few hundred downloads each month, but these days it's more than 10,000, and the total number is approaching 200,000. Releasing a weekly podcast is quite demanding, and that's probably why 90% of podcasters give up after just a few episodes. But I got hooked on podcasting quite early on, as I've been lucky enough to have some fantastic guests, and I've learned so much from them. And many of our Tribe Sober members have been kind enough to inspire others by sharing their stories on the podcast. And as a result, we've attracted new members from all over the world. So staying with podcasting, my guest this week is podcast business coach and weight loss guru, Adam Shibley. I got to know Adam when he helped me to get this podcast started. And his story is similar to mine in that he resolved his own issues and then went on to help others to do the same. Adam's problems were about food rather than alcohol. But as you will hear, there are so many parallels between the way that we help people. We agreed that whether you're losing weight or ditching the booze, it all comes down to mindset, community 
and some tools. And if Adam's voice sounds familiar to you, then it's because he does the intro and outro on this podcast. I began our conversation by asking Adam to introduce himself. Janet, I'm so excited to be here. You are somebody that I really, really am excited about knowing as a podcaster and the message that you're doing. And I'm kind of a message-driven podcaster as well. So it's it's really an honor to be here. But uh, yeah, for those of you that, that don't know me or don't recognize this, this sultry voice, my name is Adam Shibley. I am a full-time podcaster and podcast host. Uh, I live in the United States in Bloomington, Indiana, which is probably a place that you've never been and that's okay. I am somebody, like I said, I, I am a mission-driven podcaster. I have three shows, and I'm sure we can you know, dive into that. But all of my podcasting journey is also tied up with my health journey, which is, I think, a big part of the reason why Janet and I connected and, and why we're here today. Great. Yeah. As, uh, as you say, uh, Adam, we, we connected because we've got similar stories, haven't we? We both had issues. You know, mine was the drink and <laughs> yours was more the weight. And we sorted ourselves out and now we're on a mission to help other people. So I wanted to take you back in time, Adam. 2007, you weighed 330 pounds and you had $40,000 credit card debt. So not a good combination that. And you were in a supermarket and you decided things had to change. Take us back to that moment. Yeah, that was my rock bottom moment. And like you said, I was not healthy. I was 330 pounds. I had a mountain of credit card debt from being a 27-year-old that wasn't making smart financial decisions. Uh, I didn't feel good about my career. I didn't feel good about my relationships. And I was sitting there in the grocery store with my credit card with a, a cart full of unhealthy groceries, wondering if I was going to even be able to pay for those with the room that was left on that card. And I had like 25 credit cards. Uh, so I told myself that I was trying to win all like the little bonus miles and all that stuff. And then I realized I couldn't make payments hardly on any of them. And I was like, oh, this is trouble. But anyway, that night I, I went home and one of my friends had let me borrow a DVD called The Secret, The Law of Attraction. And the funny thing about this is that a separate friend had let me borrow this uh, a couple of months prior and I pretended to watch it and I gave it back because I was like, I don't need this positive self-talk mumbo jumbo. Pretended to watch it, gave it back. It comes into my life again. And when I got home from the grocery store that day, it was sitting there and I said, oh, let, let's just give this a try. I feel like I feel called to stick that in the DVD player and see what this is all about. Can't get any worse. So I did. And that was my first ever dose of personal development material ever in my life. Like I wasn't a big reader or anything. And it changed my life. The way I like to describe it now is that before that moment, I felt like I was in a car with my foot on the gas pedal, but my hands weren't on the steering wheel. And that moment allowed me to reclaim control. Because up until that moment, the world was to blame, all the situations were to blame. I wasn't taking personal responsibility. And I didn't think that I could or could control any of these situations. It was always the fault of something or someone else. And after I watched that DVD, I learned about the law of attraction and I realized like I'm attracting a bunch of really bad stuff into my life and the vibe I'm putting out there, I'm not really showing up for myself. So in that moment, I decided to commit to a, a what I now call my lifestyle rehabilitation statement. Uh, I mapped out what I wanted to create in my life over the next five years. I set a deadline. I wrote out a series of positive present tense affirmations and I committed to showing up to myself at a level where I would read those every morning and every night for five years or until I checked off everything that I wanted to create in my life. So I went through that. I, I committed to it. I did it. And over that five-year span, I lost over 100 pounds. I met my wife, got married, started a family, erased all my debt, created a business around my own health journey, started helping other people in their health journey. Uh, so from July of 2007 to July of 2012, that five-year deadline, I walk into my brand new fitness studio, an 8,000 square foot facility in the, the exact location that I wanted in, that I kind of manifested. I had 30 employees. I had 100 people waiting to learn from me at 6 a.m. in the morning. I had lost over 100 pounds. I had helped my hometown by that time lose over 35,000 pounds total. So all these amazing, crazy things happened. And it wasn't because I sat in my basement, like wishing it, wishing myself thin. I implanted, but I also implemented. I implanted those thoughts into my mind, 
but I implemented on a consistent daily basis. And that's how I was able to create all those awesome outcomes. Fabulous. That's, that's a beautiful story, Adam. And I love the way that you repeated that in the morning and the evenings. It was always the front of your mind because it, it's all about mindset, isn't it? Making these massive changes in our life. It's not about willpower. I always think willpower is okay for a while at the beginning, but it doesn't last. There's new research out about willpower and it talks about it being like a muscle gets tired. It doesn't go on and on. But mindset, you know, once you start seeing, in your case, maybe the food differently, in our case, you know, alcohol differently, then we, we, we switch and it becomes so much easier. I really like that equation that you have in your book, um, you know, the one about nutrition plus exercise plus strategic thinking, because the exercise and the nutrition is so obvious. But you throw in the strategic thinking. And I think, you know, we should do that as well, because and hopefully we already do. But we have ditching the drink and we're always obviously recommending exercise to get the endorphins going naturally. But strategic thinking. Talk to us about that. You are listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. When I speak on health, that is my platform. It is, we have to start thinking strategically instead of going, oh, I did a diet and it didn't work, or I hired a trainer and it didn't work. When a lot of times the nutrition plan or the the fitness regimen, those were fine. What didn't work is we weren't ready for the things that threw us off plan. Those moments, I call them danger zones. Same thing with people dealing with addiction in, in any sort of way. So the way I look at it is, from a health perspective, we have to look at those moments where we quit our diet, when we give up on our fitness routine, those life happens moments. That's when and we aren't ready for them. So we have to be able to identify, analyze, and plan ahead for those moments. So what I do with my health coaching people is we map out 28 days at a time when we go, all right, what could potentially throw us off and how, so we identify, then we analyze it and go, okay, what's the real situation here? What is in our control? What is not in our control? All right. So it's the whole stoic thinking. Then based off of what we do have in our control, we say, what can we do about it in advance just to set ourselves up to succeed? To give you an example, uh, a lot of people struggle with the vacation situation, all right? And some people call it holidays. I know my friends from Canada call it, they don't say vacation, they say, I'm going on holidays. And I actually like that better. I like that terminology. It's much more cheery, which you know a lot of Canadian statements are. So whether you go on holidays or vacation, that's what I'm talking about. So people really blame the vacation itself and go, oh, I gained weight on vacation and you know it's a big danger zone. But really the danger zone is what happens after vacation when you don't get back into your routine. That's, that's the key thing. So people come to me, I struggle with vacation. I always gain, you know, I lose weight going into spring break and then I gain 30 pounds back afterwards. Like, okay, we've identified that. Let's analyze what's really happening. So we look at it and they, they eat, maybe they drink a little bit or whatever on, on vacation, they lose their focus and they're really focused on that. And I go, okay, that you can only do so much damage in seven days, really. But what happens afterwards when you don't get back into your routine, when you don't go back into your gym, when you don't meal prep, when you don't grocery shop and you just kind of go with the flow and all of a sudden three months later, 30 pounds heavier, oops. So let's look at that back edge, so the, the planning ahead. Like, all right, before you leave for vacation, you're going to have your groceries ordered. You're going to have your fitness sessions scheduled. We know what nutrition protocol you're using. You know what day you are meal prepping. All those things are booked and in, in your schedule, just like a business appointment in advance before you leave home base and go off to vacation. That way, when you get back from vacation, we're good to go, or at least we're setting ourselves up to succeed. So that's my mindset. And that can be applied, like you said, to any situation where people, where there's willpower involved, when there are slippery slopes to navigate, planning ahead, identifying those danger zones and mapping out a, a potential better outcome in advance, that's going to be a key strategy. Yeah, that's a brilliant idea. I love those kind of manageable chunks of 28 days. What's ahead? Let's plan for those 28 days. And it's so true, what, the slip-ups, you know, we, we have this, uh, you know, you have your strange jargon in the community. We talk about the sober bus. We say, oh, she's slipped off the bus, but never mind. She just must get on again the next day. 
And we managed to convince so many people not to give up, just get back on the bus, because it's, it's so easy to think, oh, well, I got hammered last night. I'm hopeless. I might as well give up this sobriety lock. And you don't have to, because it's, it's quite normal at the beginning. I've seen over and over again, it takes people many tries sometimes. Sometimes they get it straight away, but often it takes many tries. But we see people with their sober stretches, as we call them, they get longer and longer. And that, that's how it works. But yeah, the strategic thinking is great. And we have annual trackers that people plot. And if they keep a tracker, they can see the big picture. I mean, it's just a piece of paper. It's a calendar, annual calendar. But they can look at the big picture and see, oh, yeah, my sober stretches, they're getting longer. You know, it's not all bad. It just helps to keep them strategic. Yeah, this mindset thing, I think it's so important. And I see people, when they start on this journey, they say things like, I'll always remember one lady that came to a workshop and she, she pitched up at this workshop and she said, oh, God, she said, I'm so depressed. She said, my life is over today, basically. And I recognize that. But my doctors told me I'll die if I don't stop drinking. So tell me about this dull and dreadful life I've got in store. People are full of fear because they think they'll never be able to socialize without alcohol. They're going to lose all their friends. You know, everybody will tell them they're boring. They won't be able to relax. They have all these, I like to call them limiting beliefs. And I just wondered what advice you had for people to overturn those beliefs. Well, it's interesting. Like, I really like the conversation and the frame that we're dealing with people with, with alcoholism, addiction, things like that. Because it's challenging me to think about some of my, my normal weight loss frameworks even a little bit differently. Like, normally, I would talk about, like, my, my transformation timeline of, like, the, the different, the three different phases of when I take people on a health weight loss journey, the way I describe it is phase one, we have to, the key thing is being able to identify those danger zones, which applies to both situations, right? Like in any sort of, of situation we have to, that once we can really master that, then we are out of what I call the black hole of weight loss doom, where we just keep trying new things, getting a little bit of results. Life happens, we crash and burn, we go back and it's just a spiral. So that if you're stuck in that, you're in phase one. Moving into phase two is what I call health health and lifestyle balance. And that's kind of what you're referring to is I feel like we can just talk about like a learning curve. And initially, there's going to be, you know, a steeper curve there as you're learning how to adapt and you're learning how to deal with different stimulus that, that drain your willpower and, and stress situations. But the more effort you put into it, the more focus, the more concentration, things get easier and easier and easier. And it's not like I have to just be constantly thinking about not drinking or not eating, whatever. That second phase is where we try to find balance between your health and your lifestyle. And you can, with food, you know, I talk about we can start incorporating like cheat meals and, and cheat, you know, cheat bank and things like that where you go off plan. And obviously with alcoholism and addiction, that's not an option. So we are looking more at, you know, just investing time and understanding up front. There's going to be a little bit more mental and time commitment as you make this lifestyle change, but then you're going to find your groove. It becomes less of a chore. We're making those adjustments and all of a sudden you are feeling in more in control than you have ever felt. And it's not a stressor anymore. It's called a lifestyle. And that is awesome. You see the benefits of that, but it's just like, it's like lifting weights. Like you have to put in your reps and you have to damage that muscle tissue and create scar tissue and it comes back stronger. And every workout you do, it gets a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger. It's really, really hard at first. You're getting really, really sore those first few workouts, but months down the road, it just becomes a part of the routine and you look forward to it and you enjoy it and you actually get energy from being uh, in that, that lifestyle. So that's, uh, I feel like when we're dealing with the drink, like that's an important thing to understand. There's going to be friction up front, but yeah. keep your eye on the on down the road. And it's not going to be, you can never be in a social setting ever again. Or you're going to be like the lonely hermit in the corner at all the parties, like get away from me with your alcohol. Ah, uh, or anything. Like you're going to be able to handle things in an appropriate way, but you just have to put in your reps. Yeah. Kind of you have to do the work, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I was writing a blog today and I found myself writing, uh, you've got to find your sober mojo. And I thought, oh, I must have got that from Adam. Yes, the mojo. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the word mojo. Uh, I'm a big Austin Powers fan in general. And that's, you know, the, the mojo comes from that, I think. So we, we've got this exercise that we give to members. It, it's called the why exercise, because I'm sure it's exactly the same with, with your people. You start off really fired up, full of motivation. And then, you know, with the drinking, you go through a bit of a low and you think, oh, God, why am I doing this again? You know, this is so boring. But we say to people, if you have a why list, and when, when we do question people about why they want to give up drinking, it's, it's huge reasons. They need to give up drinking because their, their husband's going to leave them. They're, they're not talking to their kids anymore. They might lose their jobs. You know, there's serious, serious reasons, not to mention the health issues. So uh, once they write that list, we then tell them to put it on their phone or, or put it somewhere they can see it every day, just like your five-year thing. And I noticed when uh, I was reading your book, you referred to a why not list. I thought that was interesting. Maybe we'll incorporate it. Talk, talk to us about why not. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. If you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just head on over to tribesober.com and hit the membership tab. That's www.tribesober.com. I, I look at it like a competing list, all right? And it's it's just as important to understand the why nots as it is the why. So, and, and like the formula that I tell people from the weight loss or any, anytime you set a goal, like this directly applies. If you set a New Year's resolution and it lasted three days, the why nots won. You know, if you set a goal to lose 100 pounds and you did it, the whys won. So you just have to make sure that the, the why stack or the why list is able to withstand the, compi- the combined force of all of the why nots. Because the why nots never just happen one at a time. They happen like seven at a time is, is the way life works. So if you aren't able to handle that, the why nots won because the why just wasn't big enough. And that's just, I mean, that is just the way that it is. And another goal or challenge that I give my my listeners and my clients is that we have to move from feeling motivated to feeling inspired because I define those differently. To me, being motivated is more of a have to, I have to mindset. Feeling inspired is a want to, I want to mindset. And that's a big part of the why. If you're in have to mindset, your why is, well, I got, I have to lose 50 pounds because my wife says so, or my doctor, it's all this external, my doctor says I have to, and all this stuff. But when it moves into inspiration of, I want to lose 50 pounds, I'm inspired to lose 50 pounds because I want to walk my daughter down the aisle. I don't want my kids to exist or have to live through seeing their dad dead on the floor from a heart attack. I don't want that for them. Like That's the emotional root inspiration. And I feel like that will resonate and hit home with a lot of your audience members. Yeah. I love what you said about the difference between motivation and inspiration. I've just thought up a a tag lag for my podcast. You know, you you always say you should have a little subtitle and I'm going to say uh, inspiring alcohol-free living, you know, use that word inspiring rather than, and get that message, you know, that you can, uh, you need to, to want this thing. It's not something forced upon you because that was the problem with my grumpy lady at the workshop. Of course, her doctor had said, you're going to die if you don't do something. Something. Yeah. So, oh, I've got to give up drinking. Yeah. But we see more and more, you know, we've got so many people that have, have succeeded now and, and they're just full of joy, you know, and yeah. they are inspired. You would describe them as in, inspired people. Yeah. Well, it's, it's important also to recognize for everybody that's listening, I don't want you to think like, oh, I'm not, I'm not inspired. So I, I get checked off the list. Coaches like myself and like Janet, we allow you to borrow some of our energy until you build up your own. So you can come in motivated. That's cool. Come to us motivated, plug in to what we have, borrow some of our momentum, borrow some of our motiv- of our energy, and then that will help you convert from mo- being motivated to being inspired. So I think that's important to acknowledge as well. Mm. And that's a lovely way to describe coaching, actually. And another thing I like to of yours, Adam, that you talk about is these anchor points, you know, anchor points for accountability. Yeah, I am huge on accountability. And 
I feel like accountability has a much better, uh, it's much more well-received in the sobriety community than it is in the weight loss community. In like sobriety, you see partnership, you see, you know, people supporting other people in weight loss. They see the trainer screaming at the overweight person on the treadmill. (laughs) That's like, I'm holding them accountable. Uh, so uh, I am always saying, you know, accountability is support. Accountability is, is, is coaching. Accountability is someone that will keep you on track. When somebody hires me as a weight loss coach and they have a goal of losing a hundred pounds, I will tell them, I'm not going to hold you accountable to losing a hundred pounds. I'm going to hold you accountable to doing what it takes to lose a hundred pounds. That's the difference. And it's a huge difference. I'm not going to sit there and tap my toes and be like, well, Janet, not a hundred pounds down yet this week. What's wrong with you? Like that's just pressure and that's negative. And that's like, like the TV show, the biggest loser didn't do us any favors. A lot of people just saw that. Like, why didn't you lose seven pounds? We needed seven pounds this week. Like that, that's not what I'm about that at the true root. That's not what accountability is all about. So uh, I love being somebody's accountability buddy, but it's going to be there uh, in a very positive, friendly, best friend, cheerleader, you know, again, borrowing energy type of mindset. Now, anchor points, I believe across any, again, any goal that we have across the board, we need to have accountability anchor points. And the way I look at it is we look at all the areas where we spend most of our, our time in our lives. And you're going to things like work, your, your, you know, social groups, friend groups, uh, church, school functions, things like that. Look at the gym, hopefully look at where you're spending most of your time and think about how can I have an accountability anchor point implemented in each one of those zones. The issue that a lot of people have is they have one and in the, the weight loss space, it's usually like some sort of trainer or coach or whatever, or a group like Weight Watchers. Um, and that's an issue. It's like climbing a mountain. When you climb a mountain and to do it safely, you want to anchor on as often as possible, or at least more than once. Because if that one anchor fails, to the bottom we go. <laughs> you know, that's that's really critical. So I tell people like at work, look for an accountability anchor point, and it's probably going to be up to you to establish it. So maybe you establish a walking uh, walking lunch work Wednesday, and you're going to walk with a group, and you know you do it every Wednesday, and you're kind of the leader of it or whatever. Uh, with a friendship group, maybe you've got a group that you always have dinner with on Friday, and it one the first Friday of the month you do a bike ride instead or something like that and you just start looking at all these areas and go how can I create a healthy situation at home a meal prep day family meal prep day Sunday all the kids get involved chopping up vegetables doing a big healthy meal prep meal and if you want true accountability at home involve young children because they never forget and they will call you out uh, 100% of the time I have a kindergarten daughter shout out to Hannah she is full of sass and fire. And she will call me out if we don't do our family meeting because she has things to say. And it's it's awesome uh, to, to have that at home. And again, these are positive. These are energy givers. These are willpower boosters, not things that are going to be stressful or, or breaking you down. So you go and you anchor on as often as possible in all these different areas of your life so that if you do slip, there's lots of safety nets and safety mechanisms to catch you from falling all the way down. So instead of losing a hundred pounds, having your trainer, your trainer moves, uh uh-oh, only accountability anchor point, gain a hundred pounds back. You've got these systems in place to keep you in check where maybe instead of gaining it all back, you gain 10 pounds back. Somebody from your walking lunch work Wednesday goes, Hey, it seems like things aren't going so well. Let's talk. And boom, we stop the slide and we move back into positive direction. So that's the way I envision accountability. Yeah, I love it. It's strategic thinking again, isn't it? With your mountain, as you say, if you're climbing a mountain, you can't just have the one, the one thing. And I love what you say about children. I mean, we find it all the time, even really young children. I had a story the other day, this lady said, Oh, I was in the supermarket. And I put six bottles of alcohol-free wine in my trolley, you know, and, and my daughter suddenly noticed it. In the middle of the supermarket, she starts talking really like, I say, Mommy, you've given up drinking. Put that wine back. You can't drink wine. <laughs> so yep. the lady was, was quite embarrassed, but they, they, they don't miss a thing, do they? Yep, yep. And, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, and often kids will say, um, 
when you when you've stopped drinking, they'll talk to you and say, "Oh, I, I didn't like it when you were drinking." Whereas they'd be embarrassed to say it at the time. You know, they wouldn't yeah. want to hurt your feelings. But when you've stopped, so they are beautiful cheerleaders, our kids sometimes. Um, yeah. So apart from these anchor points, you also talk about plugging into to things for motivation. Uh, I think you you mentioned listening to podcasts, media, community. You know, which is is huge for us. Any uh, any ideas about that? What what your people plug into? You are listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. Well, you hit the the nail on the head with the word community. When you're on a transformation journey, I feel like a lot of people say, "Oh, I got myself into this mess. I need to get myself out." And it's that ego that always trips us up. We don't want to ask for help. We don't want to ask for directions. We don't want to reach out and go, I'm in financial trouble or I'm in, you know, I've slipped with drugs or alcohol or food or sex or whatever it is. And there's that barrier there. And I can tell you, it's a much easier journey when you let go of that ego, you ask for help, you look for support, like you look for, you search and crave accountability and partnership and community and you walk the path together whether it's weight loss or sobriety, it's no different. The path is, is more easily traveled if you have traveling partners. And you, then you start to realize that your story isn't like that freak of nature story that you know, no one is like this. So why, why am I like what's this? How come I can't? Yeah, what's wrong with me? And you start to realize other people are just like you. And then you can figure it out together. You're not in it alone. And it's something that, I really try to put my stamp on anything that I'm building. I like, there's always community involved in it. Like I'm building a lot of podcasting things even now that's like, it's always, okay, what's the community factor here? How do we bring people together? How do we walk a path together? Because it's just, it's, I feel like it's the most time efficient and emotion efficient way to, to go through life is to have a partner, yeah. have, a, have a team, have a support team and have a community. Yeah. And the community support each other. It's not all all down to us to give one-to-one help because we don't want to put ourselves up there as the paragon of virtue, the teacher. We want to be part of a community. Yeah, we, we always say uh, connection is the opposite of addiction. I love that. Like just plugging into any sort of community vibe, whether it's even if it's virtual, I think seeing other human beings eyeball to eyeball, talking to them, sharing like that's one of my favorite things about being a podcaster is I do this all day, Janet. Like, you know that, like I, I'm talking to people, I'm sharing, I'm running communities and groups and we're sharing there, but there's human connection, whether virtual or in person, like it's, it's a part, it's an essential part of life. So yeah, I love your podcast community. I must say your, uh, your pod party. I think it's important to incorporate some fun and things like yeah, that. When there's, well, when there are serious yeah. conversations, it's important that people still smile, that they that you end on a, a positive note. Yeah, I wanted to ask you this question because particularly about weight, and it might even apply to drinking as well. We hear this statistic, don't we, that so many people, they lose, you know, 100 pounds and then they put it on again and they lose it and they put it on again. And I'm sure that you've helped many people get it off and keep it off. And I just wondered if the people that managed to do that do they have special characteristics, special traits, or is it your guidance that's helped them do that? Yes, it's all thanks to me. <laughs> well, yeah, I thought I'd give you a little uh, little plug to say that. <laughs> Apart from having you, Adam. <laughs> no, the biggest part is uh, actually that that third section, that third stage of that transformation timeline I talked about earlier. So there's the escaping the the black hole of fitness doom. There's the rebalancing, fi- you know, finding that balance between health and lifestyle. But the third column in that journey is what I call new purpose, new identity, and that is huge because with a major weight loss journey, you eventually run out of weight to lose. Like you're done, you know. If you're selling real estate and you have 100 acres, once you're done selling 100 acres, there's no more, there's nothing left to sell. So a lot of people lose their identity at that point because that was their fire. Like in my gym that I used to own, we had these boards across the top of the the gym wall and it was like the 30 pound club, the 50 pound club, the 100 pound club, the 150 pound club. And you would see these people march up the board and it's just like personal momentum galore. And then they get there 
and there's like, they're out of real estate and there's nothing left to lose. Now, who am I? I was used to getting that dopamine hit of everybody patting me on the back. Oh, great job. Great job. Now new people are coming in and they just see me as this fit person. They don't know the difference. They don't know the whole thing. And you start like, there's an addiction in that in itself, getting all these accolades and all these, all this, uh, you know, just positive support. As we are on our journey, we have to st start the process of figuring out who we're going to become in the next phase of our journey. It's finding that new purpose, finding that new identity. A lot of people uh, that have had success successful transformations become coaches. Like they've had that experiment or that experience, and now they show others how to do it, just like I did. And that's totally cool. Uh, or maybe they write a book, or maybe they become a leader in an online forum, or maybe they just look for a different physical challenge, like doing adventure races or marathons or a cycling thing or, you know, obstacle course or a powerlifting meet strength stuff, but finding that next thing. Now, that all being said, we have to give ourselves some buffer and some grace and understand that that next thing probably won't be as exciting or as life-changing as this first phase. Because if you've been an alcoholic for 20 years and your life was in the drain and you pull out of that, the next phase probably isn't going to be that as impactful as what you just accomplished. And we have to just be okay with that. You know, like going and running a marathon isn't going to feel the same as what you have come through. If you've lost a hundred pounds and now you want to go and become a, a marathon runner, you'll get a charge out of that. You'll be motivated, motivated by it, but it may not feel the exact same as that weight loss journey when you saved your own life. All right. So we have to understand that as well. And we can't go, Oh, I just can't find a lot of people are like, I can't find that thing. It's just not fulfilling me. I'm like, it's, you did that. You changed your life. You saved your life. There's not going to be that, that same thing. And maybe that's why some people do fall back because they kind of want to get back into that. Oh, and now I'm going to lose it again zone. And we're get it's just, they get addicted to the accolades and the, the the process instead of accepting, I'm this new person, I'm this new identity, I've got a whole different purpose, I'm taking all this life momentum and I'm moving it to the next phase and I'm going to learn something new. I'm going to get outside of my comfort zone, I'm going to find that next challenge that drives me, that gets me out of bed in the morning and that keeps me going. Um, and again, it's got to come from within, that that inspiration. I, I've helped a few different uh females that went on their journey motivated by finding love getting married but it's all that external stuff they get married they gain it all back plus some and it's really sad but it's like and i'm not saying that i'm not partially at fault for that like i i should have been able to like i just wish i knew then what i know now i guess i'm saying like that i could have stopped that but i you know the first few times it happened i'm like oh what's happening it's a tough situation but we have to move into that next zone. Once you feel like I'm in control, I've yeah, done yeah. this, I've, I've walked the gauntlet and survived it and I'm out the other side. What's that next thing that you're going to do? What's your new identity that's going to keep driving you forward? Yeah. And purpose is so important. I, I say to people, First of all, ditch the drink, and then there's a second phase. We say, create a life that you don't want to escape from, an alcohol-free life. And you do, I mean, obviously I'm doing this, and you also save a lot of time when you're drinking. With my drinking, I was either planning the drinking, doing the drinking, recovering from the drinking. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of time left. <laughs> but suddenly when I stopped, I had all this time on my hands, so uh, I, that's when I set up, set up my thing. But I've got a lovely story about purpose actually uh, there's uh, a lady called Claire Pooley who is a, an author and she wrote a book called The Sober Diaries and when she was a little girl she always wanted to be a writer I mean that was her dream and then she well she had a, a kind of executive job that she flourished in for quite a long time then she got married then she had three children and juggled the work and the kids and in the end she couldn't juggle so she stopped working three kids at home you can imagine what happens so she starts drinking a bottle of wine every evening and more in the, at the weekends puts on a pile of weight and was totally miserable anyway she managed to stop and she ditched the weight and she started writing again. So her first book was uh, called Sober Diaries, and it did really well. Because of that book, she won a 
a global contract to write wow. uh, four novels, a six-figure contract. So now she's a full-time writer and she's on the New York bestsellers list. And, you know, it's such a beautiful story because she never would have done that writing if she was still drinking. And, and that's that was her purpose. Yeah. So, yeah, purpose is everything. Yeah. And turning that corner and... and- like our mutual friend Tamar Medford, who I know you've had discussions with, and like she's taking her experience and turning it into helping people that are, are in recovery that want to become entre- entrepreneurs like her, and like she's coaching them on that, and that's what her you know new book is is going to be about. A lot of people discount their life experience as being not that important, but there's somebody out there where if you put out a blog or if you start a podcast, or if you just have a conversation, your life experience will make the difference. That's something that we can't discount. Every Saturday afternoon, we open up our Tribe Sober Zoom Cafe. It's a safe space where our members can connect, check in, and just shoot the breeze about alcohol-free living. If you'd like to be a guest at the cafe one Saturday, just drop us an email at Janet at tribesober.com. That's Janet, J-A-N-E-T, at tribesober.com, and we'll send you an invitation. Okay, Adam, well, that's awesome. There'll be people listening to this that are saying, I've got to talk to this guy. Who is he? Where is he? How do we get into Adam's world? I know, but they don't. Well, uh, just beware. It's a wild and, and crazy world. I've got a lot of plates spinning in, in like the, the areas of social media and things like that. Uh, but from a health perspective, you'll always be able to find me uh, at millionpoundmission.com. Um, I've got a new show that's based for the uh, the low carb community. That's that's the low carb hustle podcast. You can I'm actually calling it a health comedy podcast because we do a lot of tomfoolery in there, uh, which I enjoy my fair share of. Um, but that is another health uh, space that you, that you can find me at as well, lowcarbhustlepodcast.com. And I'm on Instagram at lowcarbhustlepodcast or podcasting business school. That's the whole other side of my life. But yeah, if you say hello on Instagram, you'll get a message back and I'll say hello. But uh, mention that you uh, heard me on the, on Janet's show here. And real quick, like I want to address the listener because I realize that you guys, uh, you men and women out there, you may be in a really dark place in your life. And first off, I want to acknowledge the fact that you're looking for resources to step up for yourself and for your family and the people that need you to be around for a long time and looking at resources like Janet's show. So I applaud you for that, but also realize and acknowledge that what you're going through may be the hardest part of your life. It may be the hardest thing that you ever do in your life, but I want you to remember that you are worth it. That's very important. That was something I had to consistently remind myself of when I went through my journey that I'm worth the reps. I'm worth the time in the gym. I'm worth the time planning things out, thinking strategically. I'm worth it. So keep that in mind. Your message is important. You are important. And people like Janet are here to uh, let you borrow some of her energy as you go along in your journey. So uh, I've had a blast today, Janet. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you, Adam. That was really brilliant. And I so agree with you that if people are struggling, they've got to reach out for help. The first step is the hardest step. But once you're in a community of people on the same path, everything changes. As you said earlier, lots of people think, well, I've got myself into this mess, so I'll get myself out. That was certainly me. There was so much shame around my drinking. But that's actually your ego talking. We've got to let go of our ego and ask for help. And that's when you realize it's not just you that has this struggle. You realize you're not in it alone and you can figure things out with others on the same path. So let me pull out a few things from that conversation to highlight. There were so many, but I've tried to discipline myself to just a few. But I've tried to choose things that can be particularly useful to those of us busy changing our relationship with alcohol. So the first point. Adam coaches his clients to approach their weight loss strategically and to be ready for things that will send them off balance, to be ready for that vacation, to be ready for that meal out, to be ready for the family visit. 
He encourages his clients to plan in chunks of 28 days, just 28 days ahead, and to look in their diaries and to think about what's ahead and how can they plan for it. And of course, we talked about the importance of not giving up after a slip up. Just get right back on track the next day. We also encourage people to think strategically. And we've got an annual tracker which gives people perspective and helps them to see the big picture. So just email me at janet at tribesober.com if you'd like me to send you a tracker. So the second point I pulled out, anchor points for accountability. Another viewpoint that Adam and I share. We've got to break our journey down into stages. We always say at Tribe Sober that we avoid the F word. We avoid the forever word. It's just too daunting. We need to do it in stages and find ways to stay accountable. Get your kids involved. Make them the wine police. They'll love it. Use your community. Of course, that's what we're here for. Have systems in place. We're going to teach you about those systems. At Tribe Sober, we put lots of emphasis on milestones. We give out milestone badges when people reach various alcohol-free days. And these milestones are, of course, anchor points. They'll give you a dopamine hit. They'll give you the energy to carry on and the motivation you need. I also loved what Adam said about the difference between feeling motivated and feeling inspired. I'd never really thought about this before. So motivation is more about doing something because you have to. For example, the doctor tells you to lose weight or give up drinking. Whereas inspiration is about doing it because you want to do it. You want to ditch the drink because you want to live long enough to be a grandparent, for example. Now, the goal of our membership and our workshop is to get people inspired, to help them realise they're going to gain so much more than they will lose. And as Adam says, this is where coaching can play a big role. Come to your coach motivated and we'll send you away inspired. You can plug into our energy and our experience. And the last point that I've pulled out is Adam's transformation timeline, which I think is brilliant. And we can easily use that in our struggles with the booze. Recognize the danger zones so you don't keep crashing and feel stuck. Stage two is more about the health and lifestyle balance. He talks about the significant effort that we have to put in at the beginning of the journey but how eventually those efforts will become assimilated into your lifestyle. And that's so true. Just think about your, the first few social events that you go to when you're not drinking. It feels really awkward and you feel so self-conscious when you're telling people that you don't drink. But after six months, eight months, you, you don't even think about it because you've assimilated that change into your lifestyle. And you feel confident and even proud to say, oh, I don't drink alcohol, thanks. And stage three is the big one. Stage three is finding a new identity and purpose. And we agreed that if we're going to stay off the booze or the junk food, we need to make some significant life changes. We can't carry on everything just as it was before because we'll always feel that there's something missing and we're going to get triggered all the time. We have to figure out just who we are going to become now that we are slim and sober. A lot of people actually become coaches and help others to do what they've done. And that's why we've set up our sober buddy system for people in our community who are sober and now feel ready to help others. Once we've ditched the weight or the booze, then we can put our energy into something more interesting, into finding our purpose in life. And I think this is a cue for me to read out my very favourite quote by Viktor Frankl. Life is not primarily a quest for pleasure, as Freud believed, or a quest for power, as Adler taught, but it's a quest for meaning. The greatest task for any person is to find meaning in their life. And obviously you'll stand a much better chance of finding real meaning and purpose if you're not numbing out with alcohol or too much food. We've actually taken some of Adam's great ideas and applied them to sobriety. We've created a PDF called Sobriety Battle Plan. So if you'd like a copy, just email membership at tribesober.com and Sue will send you one. 
And if you'd like to contact Adam directly, then the best way is to message him via his Instagram, which is called Podcasting Business School. I'll put it in the show notes. So let me end with a member message from our six months plus chat room. There was a conversation going around partners who continue to drink while we are thriving in our sobriety. And lovely member Irene chipped in with some great advice. She says, Thinking you have to turn yourself into a closet non-drinker is a bit ludicrous. Sort of defeats the purpose. You put up with him drinking, he puts up with you not drinking. And that's that. Don't think he doesn't understand you. Think more along the lines of, he needs a reminder of who you are now and again and how you've changed. And most importantly, how good that change has made you feel. No doubts, no second thoughts. Let him know how happy and confident you feel and then he will feel it too. You're proud, he's proud. Bloom woman, bloom for both of your sakes. Thank you, Irene. What a wise woman you are. If you'd like to benefit from the collective wisdom of our tribe, people like Irene and many other of our sober members, then why not come and join us? Just go to tribesober.com and hit join our tribe. And if you'd like to get a flavour of the kind of support we offer here at Tribe Sober, then why not join our free five-day sobriety boot camp? Every day there'll be a task, a training session, recommended reading and podcasts, and of course ongoing conversations between the Tribe Sober team and the boot campers. It takes place from the 5th to the 9th of June. So mark off the days in your diary and allocate yourself some time to participate. Everything will be recorded, so if you can't be there in the day, then you can catch up in the evening. Our boot camp has been a game changer for so many people. Why not give it a go? More info on tribesober.com or just request to join the Sobriety Boot Camp Facebook group. So that's it from me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week. Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard. It takes courage and grit and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain, and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards, and that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.